Let's get back to the drive on the home of the Sens, TSN 1200. Now, it's time for Need to Know Basis. Welcome back. Hour two of the drive here on TSN 1200. Lieber Sage, AJ Jakubek, and Matt Conesvita. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, the head coach for the men's basketball team, University of Ottawa, James Darwin. The number two seed going into the national championships coming up on the weekend. Carlton, the number three seed. And we will talk to Dave Smart tomorrow on the program. Had a great chat with Danny Sinclair yesterday about the women's Carlton team. So lots to be able to get to. Uh, We're going to let you hear a little tape from Seattle from the Ottawa Senators, and uh, some news coming down, AJ, that uh, people need to know about that and more. What's coming up and need to know? Cam Talbot is out three weeks with a lower body injury. That according to uh, Sens head coach DJ Smith, who spoke last hour. Uh, That means it'll be Mad Sogard and Kevin Mandelese in goal for the Senators. For the foreseeable future, with Sogard taking the lead, he'll start tomorrow night in Seattle. Also of note, Patrick Brown expected to make his Ottawa Senators debut. He was in the lineup. Uh, sorry, he was in uh, the practice lineup today for the Ottawa Senators. So uh, we'll hear from Patrick Brown at some point between now and six o'clock as well, along with Sogard. Uh, catch the Sens. And Kraken tomorrow, 8 o'clock pregame. And it is a 10 o'clock start on TSN 1200. No other teams in the race in action tonight in the East. As Ottawa sits five back of Pittsburgh, same games played. Six back of the Islanders with three games in hand for the last two playoff spots in the East. Got some prior action today. There's still two... Teams that are unbeaten at 6-0, and Kevin Cooey from Alberta, Matt Dunstone from Manitoba. They play tonight. Mm, big game. Uh, right now it's Nova Scotia against Wild Card 2. Big one. That would be Reed Carruthers' team. <laughs> and it's 1-1 in the fourth. Should mention uh, Ontario. They're 3-2. and two, And they're up 5-1 right now. So Yeah, up certain- on New Brunswick and... With the hammer up 5-1, feels like they're in real good shape to move to 4-2. In a pool that includes two 5-1 teams, that's wildcard one, Brendan Botcher and Team Canada with Brad Gushu. So uh, certainly that would be a much-needed win for Mike McEwen's Ontario team yeah. at the Briar. Uh, soccer, Champions League, uh, big game in Munich. Bayern against PSG, uh, scoreless early in that one. Uh, Byron's got a 1-0 lead on aggregate and Alfonso Davies in the starting 11 for Bayern Munich. Later, it's Tottenham at home to AC Milan. Uh, Spurs trying to erase a 1-0 deficit on aggregate in that round of 16 matchup. And that is what you need to know today. Well, yeah, a lot going on here on a Wednesday. Mad Sogard, the New starting goaltender for the Ottawa Senators. With that news that Cam Talbot is going to be out of the lineup for three weeks, he is headed home to get some rehab. 
And Mad Sogard will take the net coming up tomorrow night. Here's a little bit from Mad Sogard talking to the media earlier today. Looking forward to getting back in after Monday's game. Yeah, you know, obviously Monday was uh, was not what uh, any of us wanted. And, you know, we just, uh, just move on from it, uh, you know, learn from it. And, uh, yeah, you know, today was a, was a new day and our focus is on, uh, on Seattle now. So, uh, yeah, it's done and uh, it's old news. So uh, just uh, move on to, uh, to the next task. When did you find out on Monday that you were actually starting? Uh, I think after morning skate or something like that. Yeah, so I did have some time to to uh, to prepare and, and, and feel good. And um, you know, to be honest, I uh, I think I, I I did everything I could to prepare and and, and feel good. But you know, uh, didn't uh, didn't play the way I uh, I need to play uh, to to be successful. And uh, you know, that's uh, it's on me to uh, to make a couple more saves for sure. So um, just. Uh, you know, yeah, looking forward to uh, to the next uh, task. And you know, today was uh, was a good practice day and and uh, good to get out there and uh, and work again. So uh, yeah, felt good and uh, excited for uh, for what's coming up. Yeah, what's coming up is maybe a heavier workload. Are you anxious to to sort of get into a groove here? The coach mentioned that Cam is going to be out three weeks, um, and probably you running with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I just uh, just doing uh, you know. The small things every day, uh, things that I need to do to, to be successful and uh, um, not look too far ahead. Uh, you know, it, it sucks to, to hear uh, you know what's happening uh, with Cam. You know, he's a he's a huge part of this hockey team and uh, and a big uh, you know a, a guy that uh, that I lean on a lot for sure uh, for for help and and all that. So uh, you know, to not have him is uh, is definitely a hit for the group for sure. But uh, you know. Uh, just uh, I'm just going to do my best to you know to help the team win, uh, and you know put them in uh, in a situation to, to to win hockey games. I mean that's uh, that's all we can do as, as goaltenders. And uh, you know I think uh, like I just mentioned before, just uh, focusing in on on the small details every day to make sure that I'm as prepared as possible. And you know I think when I do that, I can go out there and uh, play freely and uh, just have fun. Circumstances aside, is it nice to see Kevin back up here? Yeah, absolutely. He's one of my best buddies, and you know it was it was pretty cool to to play with him uh and, and see him play his first NHL game for sure so uh you know always good to see him he's, he's a great guy and uh one that I'm, I'm very close with so uh you know the circumstances sucks for sure but uh you know it's always good to, to see one of your good friends so there's a little bit from Mad Sogard AJ and you had mentioned previously that maybe the fact that the two of them are friends and are going to have to run with this and can kind of do it together can really help the Ottawa Senators and Mad Sogard specifically. Yeah, there's no doubt that this is this is going to be a team effort, right? This is going to be it's going to be Mad Sogard. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Kevin Mandelaze, right, pushing him. Mm-hmm. It, it starts in practice, right? It, it's going to be a, an entire group that needs to be obviously a lot better than what we saw against. Chicago, but we saw just the way they performed when Mandelaze and, and Sogard were in goal before Talbot got back from that injury, which got Ottawa into this spot. So if it wasn't enough needing a reset after the disappointing performance against Chicago, and look, this team's played real well for the last month and a half to get back into the race, right? Now they know Okay, guess what? You got Jacob Chikrin. That's great. 
That helps this team. You're better with Jacob Chikrin, but you're only better with Jacob Chikrin if you get back to playing the way you did to win those games in the first place when you had Sogard Mandalazian goal. I think we found out pretty quick that just because you got another defenseman that's a real good addition to this team, that it doesn't mean you can cruise to victories. This team still needs to play a certain style of game, and when they play that style of game, when they're hard to play against, when they're strong defensively, they, they've got a chance to win games because then their skill can take over. The Stutzlas, the Giroux, the Kachucks, the Bathersons, the DeBrinkets, right? But if they just rely on that and think we're going to outskill teams, it's not going to happen. This is still a meat and potatoes hockey club that when they play meat and potatoes style of game, the skill guys will make the difference in those games. That's why they can have success with this team. I also really like the fact that, you know, he, he took some responsibility for the way that he played yeah. in Chicago. Said he needed to be better. Said he needed to make more saves. He didn't talk about the group and say, yeah. we all needed to be better. He thought, oh, look, I, I had enough time. I found out in the morning skate. I did everything I could do to prepare. And I wasn't good enough. It's the first goal that's a killer, right? Mm-hmm. That's the goal that you'd like back because now, you know, they shouldn't have changed the way they played, right? But they did change the way they played. And they did start to cheat, looking to, to get all the goals back rather than just play patient and the goals will come if you play properly. They've given up the first goal now nine of the last 13 games. And look how well they've played yeah. over the course of that time. And they've started from behind a lot. Which isn't a recipe for success, but at least that should be a recipe to tell you that, okay, even if we give up the, the Detroit games, prime example, right? Mm-hmm. They got behind in those games. They just kept playing the same way. They didn't panic when they were down a goal against the Red Wings. Took care of business. Exactly. It didn't didn't take them off of their game and they just went out and played where it didn't matter that they gave up the first goal because they were well in control of the hockey game. But they didn't look like that in Chicago. I'd like to see from Mad Sogard, who's got, we talked about in the first hour, a massive opportunity in front of him because there really is no, like Kevin Mandelazy will will play, but he's only going to play significant time if Mad Sogard isn't up to the challenge. This is Mad Sogard's time. I'd like to see him take a bit of a step where the first goal that goes in isn't like a bad goal early in a hockey game in the first period. Well, we've seen that a few times on Mad Sogard. doesn't mean that he's played poorly after that. I'm just saying there's been a, multiple times where he has given up a, the first goal of the hockey game that has not been a great goal. Even that step helps the team a lot. Little steps. But I love the way he talks. Sounds like he's ready for the opportunity. Well, they're going to have to be ready tomorrow night because Seattle's a very good team, as we saw here, right? They're mm-hmm. a very good five-on-five. Five. They run four lines. They've got some size throughout their lineup to go along with some really good skill. And they don't have any players that are really going to wow you. I mean, Matty Beniers is the guy who's 
going to be that guy down the road, but they don't have Jared McCann's having a fantastic season, but they got a lot of kind of middle six forwards. It feels like they've got a team full of middle six forwards. When you look at like, it's not, they don't have Stutzler, Giroux and, and Kachuk, right? But every line is good. You know what it kind of feels like? Vegas. And I'm not comparing them well, to the run that Vegas went on in their first year, getting all the way to top. But when you looked at the Vegas lineup, they had a lot, they got some talent from other teams. But at the time, we didn't think that those were like complete top talents. We thought they were kind of middle six guys. It's because no one's given up their top guys, right? You were getting the best players you were getting in the expansion draft were middle six forwards that, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. would have been deemed expendable by those teams. Right. But they've got a lot of them, just like Vegas had a lot, especially at the start. Mm-hmm. And they look like a pretty good team. It's amazing that they've continued on the way that they have scoring goals. I thought that would stop at some point here for Seattle. It really hasn't. See, Dennis is being funny now. He agrees that they're meat and potatoes, AJ. They played like bologna on Monday. Natalie writes in, I have faith in Sogard. Also, like, really personally motivated. I like that because he's trying to prove himself at the NHL level. So he's got some team motivation. He's got some personal motivation. By the way, like, so just looking, just looking at Seattle and their forwards, right? They don't have a point of game guy. But here's here's their top 12 forwards scoring. Okay. So Everly 51, McCann 50, Beneers 47. Then it's Burakovsky 39, Gord 38, Sprong 33. Schwartz 33, Bjorkstrand 33, Wenberg 32. Tanev 29, Donato 22, Tolvin and 21. Wow. Like, that's that's wild, right? I mean, that's, you just don't see, you, you, then you, well, let's look at Ottawa, right? Let's look at Ottawa's yeah. top, uh, right? Like, Ottawa's got way better. They're top heavy. Top end guys, right? Mm-hmm. So when you look at the Senators, it's Stutzla 66, Kachuk 66, Giroux 63. Then you've got Dabrinkit 54, Batherson 51. So <laughs> Batherson, the top five scorers in the Ottawa Senators all have more points because Batherson's got more goals. So if you were to say who are the top five scorers in tomorrow night's game going to be, they're all in the Ottawa Senators. But then it's Pinto 27, Broussard 21. That's so four and said, five? No, sorry. That's seven and eight? No, that's six and seven. Oh, six and seven. So essentially the, the top five scores in tomorrow night's games mm-hmm. are going to be Ottawa Senators. Twelve of the next 13 are Seattle Kraken players. Wow. Team full of middle six forwards, right? 
which tells you, though, that if Ottawa is not getting a lot of production from the top five, they're going to have a lot of yeah. trouble winning that hockey game. Pinto, 27. Broussard, 21. So that's seven. Joseph, 16. You got eight guys that have double-digit points. They have 12 that 20, with 21 plus. So clearly the four-line game helps Seattle. So your top guys are going to have to be going. And I, I think the bottom line is your bottom six, if your bottom six is even immoral, then then you're really happy. They don't even have to score. Mm-hmm. But if they can hold the opposition without scoring, if you get an even matchup in the bottom six, you should win. But that's that's a lot of depth. That's a lot of there's a reason, right? We hear about Seattle coming at you in waves. Well, they've got four lines that all can score. It's a pretty good stat. Tells you a lot. A couple of funny texts coming in. Well, let's hear them. Joe the Least fan's in with the, uh, I did hear a Joe the Least fan imposter one day. Still haven't found the coward. But you guys, I'll call if they lose, but I want some radio time too if they win. All right. That's fair. Joe? He wants a two-way street. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Joe, at the end of that Lightning series, we want to hear from you. Okay? Win or lose. When that series is over... We want to hear from you. We got a date the next day. <laughs> Thank God I'm the only one who drives a forklift that listens to TSN 1200. Forklift guy. No, identi- no identity theft here from forklift guy. In BC. That's right. You guys can put a stop to these listener-on-listener name squabbles by handing out the handles yourself. This self-anointing entitlement's a joke. Who's that from? From Tim. Wondering if that's Tim the lifeguard who didn't sign lifeguard Tim. Nope, just Tim. Just regular Tim. Just regular Tim. I thought that that might have been from Tim the lifeguard who didn't put the Maybe lifeguard Maybe sour part. Tim, right? He wants to wants to be given a nickname. He's, he's sour about He's sour Tim. Right? He's looking, he's looking, he's looking for, for us, us to, to anoint him. Well, all right. I think you should message in every time a sour Tim. Now we know. We know you're not Tim the lifeguard. You're sour, Tim. <laughs> I think that's fair. This self-anointing entitlement's a joke. He's coming in hot, right? Sour Tim. Kind of like it. <laughs> uh, interesting text, too. Going to... A Boca Juniors in Buenos Aires in a couple of weeks. Huge stadium, perpetually yeah. sold out. La Bombonera. Members only from BT. And he's going? He's going. That's awesome. That's uh, that's a bucket list item for me. It's where Mar- Maradona played the stadium. If you look at the stadium, it's, I don't know, kind of like an ear shape. It's flat on one side, and then it's circular the rest of the stadium. And it's just, looks like a madhouse. Yeah. That, that, I need to hear about those stories when you're back. So, uh, good okay. luck and enjoy. Talk about your all-time backfire. Sour Tim. That's amazing from Matt. 
I I say it with uh, with some love. Nothing. I wouldn't mind being called sour, Tim. Nothing. I, people call you sour a lot. Surly only looks out for one guy. Surly. <laughs> Sorry, Surly. Shut up. They call me sour too. I'm okay with it. It's a compliment to be sour, Tim. Enzo writes in. Tyler Ennis stole my nickname last year. Enzo. You always were Enzo Doss, okay? I was never referring to Tyler Ennis as Enzo on this program or download the rink or did you see what Enzo did last night? No, never, ever came out of my mouth. I can tell you that. I know that's what DJ Smith might have called him. Temperamental Tim is my suggestion from Steph from Russell. Ah, it's a little wordy. Sour Tim. Easy. Yeah, sour rolls off the tongue. Yeah, yeah temperamental Tim is too many syllables. Yeah. It, it's good. I like the alliteration, but it's just a, a few too many syllables. Sour Tim's outstanding. Sorry, forklift guy. Sending this text from my forklift seat now. Okay. Somebody else sending the text. Looks like that one's from Mitch sending a text from a forklift. But he's not calling himself forklift guy. He's just saying, I'm sending this text from my forklift right now. He can be Ontario forklift guy. But I feel like forklift guy is already just like he's not, he's messaged in so much that we can't call him BC forklift guy. We just need to differentiate him from everybody else. Mm -hmm. Kind of like the wild card one and two. Uh, Tim would work for me. Regards from Sour Tim. <laughs> I love that you're embracing it. Well, he said that Tim would work for him. Yeah. But you know what? We need to be able to differentiate. Yeah. And then I don't know who this is, but this is this is speaking my language. You guys are giving Tim way too much air Tim. Matt Cunsby didn't like it. AJ kind of liked no, it. I you, kinda. yeah, a little bit of a, a a smirk and a roll of your eyes, but a laughing. There was no sour Tim part of you when it came to the air Tim. <laughs> James Darren is the head coach of the Ottawa men's GG's basketball team, the number two seed in the nation. Looking for a national championship? We'll talk to him next on the drive on TSN 1200. Let's get back to the drive on the home of the Sens, TSN 1200. Welcome back to the drive. Lever Sage, AJ Jack, you back. Matt Connors, Vita. Time to go to the Gabriel Pizza Hotline. What a weekend it's going to be for basketball in this city coming up at the national championships, both on the men's side and the women's side in U Sports. And uh, part of that is really an unbelievable run here from the Ottawa GG's men's basketball team who survived a buzzer beater against Toronto Metropolitan, the former Ryerson, uh, to get themselves in a chance to play Windsor, to go to the Nationals. They won that game, was very close down to the end. And then they went into Carleton, beat the Ravens by over 20 points in the OUA title game, and now the number two seed at the National Championships. 
We welcome James Darwin, head coach on the Gabriel Pizza Hotline, to the program. Coach, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, thanks, James. Uh, congratulations. Uh, really enjoyed uh, the atmosphere and uh, the game. It wasn't as close as I expected uh, on Saturday night at Carlton, but uh, give us your thoughts on winning the OUA title, third ever in uh, Ottawa history, and the second uh, with you at the helm as you beat the Ravens uh, in their own gym on Saturday night. Yeah, it was a pretty special night. You know, uh, I felt good going into the game. Um, the, the guys uh, pulled off a couple really, really close wins against TMU and Windsor, but uh, um, I felt good going into the game. We had lost, obviously, both games in league, played at Carlton. Um, didn't play very well in either one, and, and I was excited to see, you know, just how we were going to match up if we just played a, a good game. And, uh, you know, we probably ended up playing one of our, our, our better games maybe, you know, in the, uh, the time that I've been with the program. So it was a special night. And, uh, you know, anytime you get to beat Carlton, it's, it's huge. And then anytime you get to beat them in the playoffs and for a Wilson Cup, it's, uh, it's extra special. And you're right, the, the atmosphere in the gym was absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, the OUA sort of gives the both teams a chance to have tickets for the game. So the place was just going back and forth throughout the whole game. So it was a, overall, it's just an amazing night for the team and for the program. And, yeah, I'll be uh, that'll that'll I'll be remember thinking about that one for a long time. And tell us about the fact, like the week that led up to it, right? Because uh, we talked to you after surviving the buzzer beater from Toronto Metropolitan. Uh, you had to beat Windsor. It was a very close game, and you know you would think, at least from the outside, that maybe the guys would be okay. We got to nationals. That's awesome, uh, and not let their guard down, but understand that they had a, a bigger picture here that they got to nationals and all of a sudden you go in and it looked like they were anything but lackadaisical in that game. Well, that's the, the like the interesting dynamic about that game and it can go a lot of ways, right? When you know you've sort of qualified for the nationals and that, you know, the OUA teams are probably going to be seated, you know, top three or top four, uh, regardless of the outcome of that game you can get a lot of different types of reactions, right? You can, you can get uh, a group that's sort of not as locked in and, and, and not as focused because of the fact that they've already qualified, but you can also get a group maybe that, you know, has got nothing to lose and, and really there's less on the line, maybe a little bit less pressure. So, I mean, it's certainly possible that our group felt that way and, and like they certainly played loose and confident at the game. And maybe we were able to tap into that a little bit that night. Having watched you guys three times this year, is it fair to say that the strength of this team is at the defensive end of the floor? And that that's that's what I see and watch. I mean, I haven't seen you 20 times. Three times is, is three. But, man, I, I think that's the biggest difference that I see this year with, uh, you know, this Gigi's team versus maybe teams in the past. How, how do you look at that? Well, our, our defense is definitely our, you know, our staple this year. Um, you know, my assistant, Mike uh, Lafricane does a great job prepping the defense and has really got the guys to buy in and, and playing extremely hard. They're a bunch of guys that just sort of, uh, it's hard to explain, but they just sort of listen and, and apply and do it, you know, do their jobs out there. And, you know, we hold our hat on our, we've got the top defense in the country and, you know, our shooting you know, comes and goes. It's sort of been the the story on the offensive end for us, but our defense has really 
um, allowed us to maybe even win, you know, a fair amount of games where we don't shoot the ball well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly in the Wilson Cup, we kind of got the combination of both. And I think that's what, um, you know, you see the outcome and sort of the, the score, the way, the way that it went. Um, but, you know, that's, you know, the defense, like I said, is if, if we don't shoot well, we want to still be able to be in the game and have a chance to win. And, and our defense does that for us. Is that going to be your bread and butter going to nationals? Because like you said, I mean, you'd love to be able to shoot the lights out for three straight games, but if it's not there, you know, at least you can control uh, what you do at the defensive end. No, there's no question when you get to the nationals, you're, you're playing, uh, you know, um, different gyms uh, against different competition, high stakes, um, you know, different times of day, different time zones. You know, the, the finer, you know, sort of things of the game tend to tend not to be real strong, including outside shooting. Um, you certainly have some outlier games where you shoot it well, but typically teams don't shoot as well um, at the Nationals and at the Metro Center or Scotiabank Center here in Halifax. So, um, you got to find other ways to win, and uh, when that's the case, and we've we've been thinking about that, we've been talking about it as a team all year. That when we get here, um, we're certainly going to have one, maybe two games where we don't shoot it well, um, and we don't want to have that be the reason, the sole reason we win or lose. And um, our defense, we were prepared for the weekend, and and certainly we know that that's going to be a a strength of ours heading into the into the tournament. We've talked a lot about this, but Ottawa as a city, very lucky to have the Capital Hoops game that provides that kind of atmosphere to, you know, the kids get nervous. There's a lot of people there. It's an exciting time. And it it helps, I'm sure, coaches and teams get through some of the moments that might come up in the future. You had that again in a couple of real real tight games last week. And then the OUA final, as you said, was a bit of a madhouse. How much does all of that prepare you for the moment? At nationals, you've been there before, but man, it's hard to get those kids to understand what it's like unless they've been through it a few times beforehand. I like it. there's no doubt that there's, there's probably nothing that you know we do for our players, you know, that uh, does a better job preparing them for nationals than Capital Hoops. I think you're, you know, uh, TD Place is very similar to the a typical arena that you would play at nationals. Um, the environment, uh, the number of people, the crowd, the pressure. Um, you know, to some degree, the pressure might even be higher at Capital Hoops just because, you know, everybody you know and everybody you go to school with and care about are probably at that game um, and you want to perform well. So, um, no, there's no question the Capital Hoops. And then, of course, uh, you mentioned our close playoff games. Look, the OUA is, is you know, a it's the strongest conference uh, in the country. I don't think I'm you know, surprising anybody by saying that. And certainly, you know, TMU uh, and Windsor are as strong or maybe even stronger uh, than some of the teams that have qualified here for the Nationals. And um, those are teams that, you know, have been out for a few rounds at this point. So um, all that added up, you know, I think helps uh, certainly Ottawa, Carlton and uh, and Queens, who's here as the wild card. So um, the OEWA prepares us for that. And I'm excited to see, um, all three teams, you know, advance, and I, 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 I'm biased, obviously, but I think all three teams have a great chance to medal um, this weekend. Is this the most balanced team you've had, or one of them? Uh, just in terms of, you know, it, it feels like you don't necessarily have one go-to guy. You have a, a bunch that that can score in double figures. No, so this is a team. There, there's no question about it. I'm, and I'm not just saying that. Um, 
certainly Guillaume is our most decorated player, but uh, depending on the night um, that you come to the gym, uh, you know, you'll see Cole Newton um, step up at times, look like our, our best player, our, our point guard dragon at times, if depending on the game you, you would go to, he looks like our strongest player. And then um, you saw the, the outstanding performance by Kevin Otu in the, in the Wilson cup um, where he looks like one of our, you know, better players. So, um, you know, we've had some uh, player of the year candidates and player of the year winners uh, during my career. And this team doesn't have uh, a player uh, certainly of that stature. Um, and that's made it a lot of fun. Like, I, like I've told you guys a few times on air here that this is a, you know, um, great group of guys. A, we remember a great group. Of guys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Would you ever tell us what it would not be a great group of guys? No, not on the team that's going to the nationals. You'd never tell us, huh? Definitely not. Uh, two days before the national <laughs> quarterfinal, um, get online here and tell you, oh, I can't stand these guys. Uh, um, but, uh, aside from them being good, that just, yes, they're, they're, we're a very, uh, just a tight group. And yes, it's a, it's much more of a team strength than it is maybe an individual player with this group. You mentioned before what it would do for your group to get to nationals, to get them the experience, because it is a bit of a younger team that you have now advanced to the final eight here. So what does it do for your team to go through all of this, to get the kids there, to have this experience? And hopefully it's, you know, a few games coming up on the weekend, but just for this group in particular and what it will mean, not only for this weekend, but moving forward. Uh, it's an interesting question just because, you know, had you guys talked to me in, you know, maybe August, September about the season and what, you know, my expectations were and my hopes. And I certainly would have said that, uh, you know, I'd love a, a, a chance to get to the nationals and uh, play in some big games and, and get this group, you know, a real set, you know, real experience you know, the core group of this team will be back next year. Um, I felt if, you, if I had been asked, you know, answering honestly, I thought we'd be, we'd be good. And, you know, we'd certainly push for a chance to get to nationals. And if we could get there, that'd be great. Um, but that perspective, again, just like we talked about, you know, in terms of pressure, maybe that's helped, you know, in terms of my patience with this group. And maybe that's allowed us to maybe perform a little bit ahead of schedule here. So, um, you know, this, this weekend is huge for our team and for our program and for this group of guys. And, you know, maybe, you know, while I certainly like to get a couple wins and a couple games here, you know, maybe, um, I think that I, it, after the Wilson cup, I think it may be the first time that I stepped back and said, you know, maybe this team, maybe I'm looking past this team into next year. Maybe this team's got a real shot to win the whole thing this year. And, Certainly, um, if we can sort of match that performance uh, from Saturday night, then I think that's a possibility now. And I, I, I honestly may not have thought that um, until until the last few weeks. What have you learned from previous trips to the Nationals that make you a better coach now just going into you know, this tournament and, and what it brings with three games in three days? A couple of things that uh, definitely stand out, just, and I've talked to my staff about it as well, is one, Really, um, you know, taking all taking all the focus off the draw. You know, just not spending any time, you know, uh, breaking it down and worrying about whether you, who you play and who you play when and what point. Um, you know, there's always sort of a controversy uh, surrounding the final eight and the way that we sort of construct the rankings and the draw. And I definitely, in the past, have gotten caught up in that and 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 gotten frustrated by that. So, like, that's certainly. 
you know, you got to beat everybody you play. And, you, you know, again, not it's cliche, but you got to play everybody to get to the finals and win it. It doesn't matter what order. And I maybe wouldn't have thought of that as much. And, and I think that's absolutely true. And, and then probably the other thing would be, um, you know, just make sure that you're, you know, focused on each, each opponent and um, really just go in with the attitude that we'll, we'll play anybody and stop, not, not necessarily hoping for upsets or hoping for certain matchups. I think as long as you just stay, stay locked in and stay humble and just be ready to play whoever advances. Um, again, just things that I've seen from myself and from my staff that, you know, maybe we didn't do super well in some of our other trips to the Nationals. So looking forward to putting those lessons uh, to uh, – on the court on Friday and, and uh, hopefully we get a little bit better outcome than maybe the last couple of times we've been here. You do play Winnipeg coming up at uh, two o'clock Atlantic. That'll be one o'clock uh, Eastern time on Friday in that quarterfinal game. Is it hard even for the kids or anybody else to try and take away the number two beside your name and the number seven beside their name? Um. Yeah, I mean that's uh, yeah. well. Luckily, we played Winnipeg. We played them over the over a Christmas tournament. Um, they gave us we we beat them, but it was it was a really close game. Um, they played extremely hard in that game, and I think um, as soon as we found out we were playing them, we you know we had a team meeting, and you know I, I looked around the room, and you know everyone respected you know how hard they played and how good they were. So um, I don't think this particular group, this particular year, is taking the seven seed lightly. Um, and then, of course, as you guys asked, some of the lessons that we learned um, in the past, well, you know, I think in 2014-15, we had Bishops. Uh, we think we were the number one seed. And, uh, you know, I think someone was writing us about being a 30 or 40, you know, point favorite in the game. Well, that game ended up going into overtime and we barely, barely, barely won. And I think, again, those kinds of experiences teach you that, you know, these are one-off games. This is March Madness and you can't take anybody lightly. And I think that, uh, again, just having been here before, and, I, and we certainly talked about that with our players, that particular game. Um, and again, hoping that uh, that all this experience sort of pays off a little bit here uh, and we take care of business against Winnipeg. Should ask you about Kevin O2 as well. I mean, uh, oh my goodness, what a fun player to watch, the athleticism uh, and the way he competes. Uh, OUA Athlete of the, uh, of the Week, uh, what do you make of... Uh, how he heads into nationals on a high and a guy that came in with a championship pedigree from a different level, having won a national title at Humber College. Yeah, I mean, you know, when the, when you're recruiting players, you know, you, you sort of have a vision for them and, and, and why, you know, you want them to be a part of your program. And when we were recruiting Kevin out of Humber College, uh, you know, it was certainly for that. You know, he was a championship-level player, um, had a ton of success at Humber. And then, of course, you know, last year he – was part of a national championship team at the college level. And, and, you know, we wanted him to become to our program and, and really bring that, that championship approach. And, you know, I, like I said, you, you hope for a lot of things when you're recruiting, like, and you never know how kids are going to sort of pan out, but Kevin's lived up to that reputation from the minute we started right up until the OUA final. He, um, he steps up in the biggest games. He finds ways he's, um, He's certainly not your your most skilled, you know, player. But like you said, he plays with a confidence. He plays with an athleticism, and he and he finds a way to really embrace the moment. And um, man, just the how that is sort of resonated with his teammates and 
the lack of fear that he shows in these big moments really, you know, gives this rest of, of the guys a lot of confidence. So it, it's turned out exactly how we hoped when we recruited him. And, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping to cash in a little bit more on that type of uh, those kinds of performances this weekend. And, you know, even in the locker room and stuff, he's just talking to guys about nationals and seeing the other teams in the hotels and, and shoot arounds and just talking to the guys about it. And he's just been a great leader and a, and a great addition to our program. I, I really can't say enough about, uh, about Kevin, just a great kid. Well, James, good luck. We wish you the best of luck throughout the tournament. And uh, that begins on Friday afternoon against Winnipeg. Uh, thanks for taking some time. We really appreciate it. What a run. Keep it going. Okay, great. Thanks a lot for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Cheers. Good luck. James Darwin, head coach of the University of Ottawa men's basketball team, the number two seed in the Nationals at U Sports on the Gabriel Pizza Hotline. Gabriel Pizza, the official pizza of the Ottawa Senators. Um, not that either Ottawa or Carleton needs to worry about this right this second, but it's hard not to notice that if they both win, they will meet each other yeah. again on Saturday in the semifinals. Take care of business, though, right? Yeah, and that, look after we what you can do. And we didn't ask James about yeah. the semis. We shouldn't. They need to beat Winnipeg in the quarters. Winnipeg also had a big, I, I, I see uh, our pal Hustler was at a game mm-hmm. within the last couple of weeks where they played Manitoba and it was a full house. University of Manitoba is in Winnipeg as well. So it's a similar mm-hmm. situation to Carlton, Ottawa, full house and Winnipeg won that game. So that shows you that they can deliver under pressure as well. Yep. Oh, you can't look past it, but yeah, these are, these are going to be eight real good teams. I've seen it. I, I mean, I called games before I moved to Ottawa. I did Alberta Golden Bears and Pandas basketball and the Alberta Golden Bears the year before Carlton went on their big run because the second year I went with the Bears, Alberta lost in the semis to Guelph. Who did Guelph lose to in the final? Dave Smart and the Carlton Ravens. That was 03. Mm-hmm. But in 02, Alberta was 19 and 1. And they got to, and, and then they won Canada West. They're a dominant team. And they played three nail biters. And the next year, Carlton won. And they played three nail biters. You got eight real good teams here. Yep. So Friday, the schedule looks like this. It'll be the University of Quebec at Montreal, number six seed against Carleton. That's a noon Atlantic, 11 a.m. Eastern start on Friday. And that will be followed by the Winnipeg-Ottawa game at 1 o'clock Eastern. So that's some afternoon basketball to check out on Friday. And hopefully we're talking about both teams meeting each other in the semis, which would mean an Ottawa-based team would be in the final. And I think that's as much as you can hope for. Yeah, would love it. Take a break. Come back with more of The Drive on TSN 1200. Let's get back to The Drive on the home of the Sens, TSN 1200. Welcome back to The Drive. Lever Sage, AJ Jackiebeck, Matt Conisvita. Just a minute or two here before a 580 CFRA news update. Come back and tell you what you need to know. The top story, if you're a Sens fan, is Cam Talbot's out for three weeks. And you better get used to seeing Mad Sogard and Ghoul. That's the top story of the day. But you never know what AJ's going to find in the middle of a day. 
Why don't you set it up, AJ? Well, there's a new arena in L.A. Mm-hmm. Clippers are moving to a new arena, and Steve Ballmer was fired up about the toilets. Let's hear from Steve Ballmer. Toilets! 1,160 <laughs> toilets and urinals. Three times the NBA average number of toilets and urinals. We do not want people waiting in line. We want them to get back to their damn seats uh, at the end of the half before the game. You ever hear somebody get so excited about toilets? Yes. Let's hear it again. Let's just hear it. I, I don't even need Toilets! 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 Man, he's fired up about toilets. Toilets! He's not wrong. If I go to an event, the best, it's a big thing for me. The best is, like, they're not a very good friend. Like, they got a good team, right? Yeah. But no one thinks they're going to win because they're the Clippers. Right. They never win anything. Toilet. And the best is they've got a, you know, I saw a meme that had a Clippers banner. Toilets. Toilets! 1,106 of them. 1,160. Was that what he said? Yeah. Three times the average. Well, that's good. I don't want to wait 20 minutes in line. I don't want to, I don't want to pee in a trough in Buffalo. I don't mind peeing in a trough. Well, that's great. I don't want to. I don't care what you like doing, peeing in a trough. I don't want to pee in a trough. 1160 in one facility? Toilets! Exactly. Uh, that fires me up too, Steve. You never know what AJ will find in the middle of a day. Found that, Jim. <laughs> All right. Come back. Hour number three of The Drive. We'll hear a little bit more from some Ottawa Senators. Patrick Brown looks like he's going to make his Senators debut. Coming up tomorrow in Seattle. Uh, we'll talk more about Mad Sogard being the number one goaltender. Kem Talbot being out. Uh, Terry Gray will join us, former host of Be In Sports. A lot of soccer talk, AJ. She can talk soccer with the best of them. Terry's got a neat story, though. And uh, we'll hear from her and you on the text box at 12 1200. 580 CFRA news update. Come back with what you need to know and get you into hour three of the drive on TSN 1200.